Hey, 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 welcome back to the WHLC podcast, also known as Women's Healthy Living Club podcast. I'm your host, Darian, who almost forgot the name of her own podcast. Welcome back. It's been a long time since I've done a podcast with y'all, and obviously I'm really excited. I just want to do a quick apology because I still have not gotten a better microphone. So if this recording sounds like shit, that is why. I'm working on it, guys. I got a lot of stuff going on, man. And microphone is like hitting the bottom of the list. So I appreciate your patience. And seriously, if you're listening to this podcast still, oh my gosh, you have no idea how much love I've got for you. Like if we ever meet in person, you're going to get a hug, a big old hug. And not one of these fake ass light, like, oh my God, finger taps to the back. No, I'm going to hug you like it matters. So I hope that you are ready for that. Anyway, that's not what today's podcast is about. Today's podcast, I have some awesome, awesome, awesome news. First off, let's get a little bit of background story for this awesome news so that you can appreciate it. So I have been studying and practicing and occasionally teaching yoga for almost seven years now. I started practicing when I first kind of met Tom, which was eight years ago. Um, and I, I just took a class in my local yoga studio. We had one, maybe one studio at the time. And now I think that town has like three or four now. But um, so it was a lonely little studio. And I took my first class there. And I remember just leaving the place and feeling on top of the world. Like I had never felt so peaceful and so calm and so relaxed and just like like everything was perfect and aligned and beautiful and I was like what in the hell just happened like it's I'd never experienced anything like that and it was from just my own investment in moving and being present with myself and it was the coolest thing I'd ever felt ever and at the time I was just a broke college student already in probably ten thousand dollars of debt and I could not justify paying for yoga classes at the time because I had, I had school stuff to pay for, I had books to buy, I just, and luckily I, had, I was living with my boyfriend, now husband, and he, he and his realm, his family, were kind of covering our rent, so I didn't have to think about that, which was a, a serious godsend, but, you know, I'd come from a place of financial scarcity, and, you know, everything was too expensive growing up, and so it was like, no, we can't afford that, and so I had the same type of mentality going into this yoga thing. Like, I, there's no way I can pay for monthly classes, like the membership or whatnot. And um, so instead of, you know, just stopping and being like, well, looks like no yoga for me, I loved it so much. I needed to know more. Like, I had to know more. And I never, I mean, I've had things like that where, like, my intrinsic need to learn was present and, like, natural one of my one of the things is guitar I wanted to learn guitar so bad and same thing my mom was like I can't pay for guitar lessons like you're already in a bunch of sports I'm paying for school like god what more do you want child and I was like everything and so <laughs> YouTube man I got on YouTube and learned everything I could possibly learn about yoga and also about playing guitar um so you know that just a, a word of encouragement if you are somebody who feels limited financially you know as far as your education goes you're not I'll tell you right now you are not limited you can find at least some foundational you know grounding in, in whatever you're trying to learn on the internet it is such an incredible tool so 
basically I learned the basic sequences, I learned the fundamentals of yoga, I learned fundamentals of yoga philosophy, and I followed this woman, I came across her upon YouTubing yoga and trying to learn it. Um, her name's Megan Curry, and I came across her yoga videos on the beach in bikinis and moving in a way that I have never seen anybody move. I've never seen anybody flow like that so effortlessly, so elegantly, and so freely. Like just, oh man, when I saw her moving like that, I was like, I have to have that. I need that in my life. I need to feel that. And so upon, you know, reading a bunch of books and watching YouTube videos on yoga and sequencing and all of that, I basically kind of hodgepodge my way into a home practice. And I've been practicing at home, outside, on the dirt, in the trees, freaking parking lots, anywhere. Um, I've been practicing yoga on my own. And it's been wonderful. I've had a great time trying to implement these practices into my life. And good Lord, have they saved me from some certain circumstances and, you know, mental states that I just didn't want to be in, like negative mental states, anxiety, some depression. I was able to cure like a sinus infection by doing a bunch of yoga. But anyway, so I really wanted to, so I practiced for like two years, just doing it for myself because I loved it and it felt, made me feel good. And it was just my time to like be in my body and explore and play and make weird shapes and challenge myself and also not challenge myself. And it was just a, man, a good time. I remember just spending like, I had this kind of weird setup with my school schedule when I was in therapy school and I would have school from like noon to four like that that end of the day you know so though in the mornings I would get up I'd make my bulletproof coffee and legit just put on some funky ass jams and move around my living room floor as if like not like nothing else mattered I would just move into these weird positions and incorporate a whole bunch of stuff I've seen Megan Curry do and other people do and I like watched her videos meticulously, meticulously. Like, are her feet turned out? Are her toes spread? Are her toes pointing forward or outward? How, how, what does her pelvis look like? What does her upper body look like in this posture? And I would try to mirror the shit out of it because I knew her form had to be impeccable to be doing these certain crazy looking poses that looked crazy at the time, but are not as crazy now that it's seven years deep. But, um, so I, I wanted to teach and I, I was in school and I found this opportunity to teach at like a chiropractor's office. It was like a wellness clinic type thing. And I saw the ad and it didn't have anything specific. It didn't say must be yoga certified or whatever. So that was a good sign because I was like, there's no way I can teach without a certification and basically hopeless from here. So I don't know why I'm even considering the idea, but I considered the idea anyway. And actually grateful to my sweet, sweet hubby who he so I was you know gonna apply to this job and I had so much fear so much fear like well what if I'm not certified and what if they don't take me and what if you know they just reject me right away and I can't pay for a teacher training there's no way I'm gonna ever teach yoga ever and life is hopeless and I'll never accomplish my dreams literally that's what I was thinking for like years and he looked me in the face and was like look you are making all this stuff up. You have no idea how they're gonna to respond to you. You haven't even given them a call to like even ask if you could be a considered candidate for this position. So why put so much limit on yourself? There's no need to do that. You, and then 
he always says this and I don't know where he got it. I'm sure he got it from someone else, but you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And when he said that, I was like, God dang, he's right. If I don't give this people a call and like, just get over the fear, who cares if they're like, no, you have to be certified. Fine. At least I tried the end. So I ended up calling. They gave me the job. They, they didn't say I needed to be certified, but I did make less because I wasn't certified. Fair. Totally get it. And in fact, they just basically had me cue them through a few movements to make sure that I wasn't just talking out of my ass, which good for them because there are some people out there that will say they can teach yoga and they're just talking out of their ass. And hey, sometimes talking out of your ass works for people and sometimes it doesn't. So started out teaching yoga while in therapy school and learning about all this therapeutic use of self and like grading activities and making things easier, harder and you know, creating group cohesiveness and building rapport with people. I was learning about all this stuff and then getting to go to a class and practice it. It was the most, it was the coolest setup ever because it reinforced what I was learning in OT. And then it helped me be successful as a yoga teacher without having being certified yet. So that was pretty cool. And mostly I was, I was able to teach because I'd spent so much time practicing myself. You know, I spent a lot of time steeped in experience and getting to understand the postures and the sequencing and the philosophy. And so it was a great setup and I actually was working with women that were, you know, 55 plus. I was, I replaced their instructor who actually had passed away at like in her mid, early mid nineties from cancer. And then here I am, this 21 year old walking up into their <laughs> chiropractic wellness center, like, Hey, let's do some yoga. <laughs> and they accepted me so well. Like seriously, I'm, I'm so grateful for them. I think about them all the time when I'm like doing yoga and thinking about this journey that I've been on with this, um, practice and man, they were great. And it was awesome to work with people who were like, they'd been through life, you know, like they, they weren't these supple young, you know, mobile young adults that could freaking put their feet behind their head and like do crazy postures. They were people that had real aches and pains, people that had real limitations, people that had not only physical, but also mental limitations. And you know, it was really cool to be able to show up and then ask them, Hey, what, how are you feeling? What's aching in your body? Are you doing okay? Is there something we need to work out? And then them telling me, and then me having to critically think on the spot, okay, what postures and exercises can we do to help this person's neck or this person's hips or whatever? And it was just a really rewarding experience. Unfortunately, I couldn't stay with them because of school and my schedule was all over the place. If you're in school or you've ever been in school, um, especially like college, student dude it is a it is a grind it is crazy you're wearing like 30 different hats depending on the day maybe 40 and you're juggling a lot and your schedule's all over the place and there's barely any consistency between semesters and man it just gets crazy so I, I feel you if you're in that boat right now but um so after landing my first teaching job I was like well shit I can do anything I, I can do anything I want now I've gotten the first one. Now people know that I've been professionally paid to teach yoga. It's on. It is on like Donkey Kong. So I started looking around for more jobs, more opportunities to pick up a class or two or whatever. And I ended up meeting this lady who was kind of like taking care of a business that was becoming less and less of a business or something along those lines. And um, she ended up giving me a break too. And let me teach, I think, one or two classes a week. And then she went to open up her own studio and brought me along as a co-owner, which is pretty cool. Because to say that I co-owned a business at 21 was pretty, like, nothing like I would have imagined, especially, like I said, not having any certification. But 
I, honestly, like, when I say I went deep into the postures, I, I'm not kidding. Like, I probably practiced two times a day <laughs> during that time because I was obsessed, obsessed with it. And for good reason. So, you know, I didn't really need to be certified at the time because my experience certified me. My, my genuine integration of the practices certified me. Um, and, and gave me a place of confidence to speak on those to the people I was guiding and teaching at the time. So it worked out pretty well, but um, I ended up working with her and her husband and helping them run a studio and teaching like six classes a week, I think. I, don't, I actually don't remember. I'd have to like go back and actually like look to see what was happening. Um, it was a, almost all hot yoga studio, which I we can talk about that later, but um, yeah, so kind of caught a break and then after so I did taught at that new studio for a little while until um, I graduated from OT school and I figured I had this crossroads kind of and I had to really sit with my intuition and my my heart and kind of just ask myself because you know these people were willing to invest in me they were willing to put me through a teacher training so that I had the credentials required and um, in fact what she kept on talking about sending me to India and I was like holy shit if I, if I went to India, first off, my boothing has to be with me. Like, I'm not going to India by myself. That's some crazy shit. Plus, it would be hard to be away from him for so long and then have this crazy experience in a foreign country and then, you know, not have him there to share it with me. That would be kind of weird. Um, doable, but, you know, I like, I married the guy for a reason. I want to share life with him. So, um, yeah, so I ended up actually turning it down. And, and kind of just stepping out of that scene altogether um, after graduating OT school, mostly because I had figured, you know, I put the time investment, I put the financial investment in this degree, and I should probably just carry out my OT career for now um, and, and see how it goes from there. And I also, you know, in all honesty, I had felt a little bit, uh, what's the word, like uh, regulated and confined in my sharing of yoga and it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way you know I I was putting like incorporating a lot of chanting and I was incorporating a lot of core strengthening exercise um, and postures so that because you know I had done a lot of research on yoga and a lot of people and experienced teachers that I had listened to said that all movements originate from the core and a strong core is the secret to all yoga postures and practice so I was like, great, we're doing a lot of core then. If these people want to do yoga and get good at yoga, let's do a lot of core. And then I was told, don't do core exercises. So I was getting a lot of conflicting information and feeling kind of stifled um, a little bit. And I, I understand why. You know, some studios don't really give a shit about, like, meeting the status quo. They don't really care if they have a billion participants they don't really care, you know, I mean, money is a part of it to stay open, but they're not like centrally focused on that. And some studios are, and that's okay. This studio kind of was at the time because it was a new studio. Of course they want to make money. Of course they want to do something that's going to be a reliable product for their participants, but life is not reliable. <laughs> and yoga to me is, is a mirror of life. And so I just, I didn't feel right in my gut to stay and teach with them no hard feelings or anything um but it just it just wasn't right for me at the time and I listened to my intuition as hard as it was and even though it looked so sparkly and shiny to be able to have someone fund my yoga teacher training and invest in me the way they wanted to I I couldn't take it at the time because one I was a little too prideful and I wanted to you know 
I wanted to fund my own teacher training and do it on my own and pick where I was going to go and all that stuff. Um, and two, I just, I wasn't in the right place. I didn't know if I wanted to stay in that town for like, cause it would have required a commitment, you know, committing to the yoga teacher training and then committing to teach there for a, a long time for them to get a return on their investment. Totally makes sense. But I just, I wasn't all the way in. So I just got out because I wasn't fully invested. So, um, that all happened. <laughs> and then I worked in therapy for four years and kind of was on and off with my practice of yoga. I mean, I'm constantly practicing yoga. I'm trying to remember to like think about my breath at least freaking 30% of the day if I can. Um, and you know, always moving in my body, stretching out. I'm never just like, you know, stagnant. I do a lot of stuff. So, um, it's, I guess I could say I hadn't been to a, a real class in a long time after, after that experience at that studio. I kind of, I kind of just wrote off all yoga studios and thought, you know, like capital, I just had a a kind of a grudge against yoga in the West or the capitalist version of yoga and how it's been exploited to make money and yada, yada, yada. And part of that is true, but not all of it's true. And I finally had a moment of clarity and a moment of freedom from judgment and from, you know, kind of this storyline I created around yoga and yoga studios. And finally, just like, fuck it, man. I don't care. I'm going to try out a yoga studio and see how I like it. And I went to one with some friends and I did like it, but it it wasn't something that was like, yeah, I got to gotta go back to that. You know, your, your intuition, my intuition is pretty dang strong. And when something resonates with me, it resonates and I will cling to it. Like it's ridiculous, probably for good reason. But um, I didn't get that from this one that I'd recently tried. And then I took a long break and was just focusing on jujitsu and other things that I was doing, working full time, all that business. And then, um, got a new job and kind of had some time to try out a few more studios. And I, I didn't actually, I just tried out one more studio and I fell in freaking love with it. And I'm here now at this studio in my car waiting to go into class. So, um, the, the, the thing, so the studio is called Pranava, which I learned means basically is another word for the most powerful sound or sound, the power that is in sound. And they're big on chanting. They chant before every class. Um, Very, very sweet people. It's very, very human centered. We all shake each other's hands and meet each other before class, which is super cool because I've gone into some yoga studios and like we're all segregated on our special little mats and our magic carpets and nobody looks at each other and we're all like quiet and serious because we're going to do some fucking yoga and we need to connect with our universe and our chakras and not each other. And it's been like, you know, just kind of dead, I guess, you know, (laughs) like there's no real interaction in this place. Man, it is filled with community and it's super cool. And I'm, I'm, I've fallen in love with them and they're great. And so they actually are running a teacher training in two weeks and I'm going to do it. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I've spent so much time on my own already digging into this stuff and trying to implement it wholeheartedly and authentically into my life. And some of it I have and some of it I haven't. I mean, we're human. It's hard to do it all. Um, but the stuff that I have incorporated, man, good Lord has helped me a whole lot. And I just, like I said, at the time I couldn't afford the teacher trainings. Um, and I I probably could have, but it would have put me in a deficit and just, I was already in debt and I didn't want to like accrue more debt 
it just, I wanted to get out of debt before I even considered a teacher training. Because to me, at that point, it was privilege. It was, you know, I'd already gained all the information. I already gained the stuff that I needed to know to practice for myself to gain the benefits I wanted from doing yoga. But, you know, it, I, I couldn't justify the cost because teacher trainings are not cheap. I mean, it's basically the cost of a used car, a nice used car. And so I just, I really couldn't justify it at the time because I thought, you know, what do I need to take a teacher training for? I've already certified myself through experience, through practice, through study, through integration of my studies. And, and I almost like put up a, a rebellious grudge. Like I don't need a teacher training. Like I've already done all the work. I don't need somebody to tell me I've done the work when I know I've done the work. Right. And I get that part partly the little rebel inside my heart is like, yeah, man, fuck those people, man. But then I really sat down and thought about it. And I was like, look, I'm at a point in life where it's not going to hurt or hinder me financially to make this investment. And I've already made the investment over seven years. And now I have an opportunity to be recognized for that investment, to test that investment, to see how much I was able to scoop up on my own and how much I missed. And so I'm really looking forward to it because even though I took all that time to study yoga on my own, there's, there is a piece of yoga I think it's, um, I might get this wrong, but I think it's called satsang. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure satsang is like community. Being, being able to chat and exchange ideas and learn from people and their stories and to grow from other people's stories and to grow from sharing your own story and to learn how to be vulnerable in a community. Um, and those are things I didn't get to practice in those seven years. I mean, I did a little bit in the small communities that I had that weren't focused on yoga like you know they were focused on occupational therapy or jujitsu or you know other things but I didn't get to practice yoga in a community that I felt held by and like really held by you know and so I'm really looking forward to this teacher training because that is the part of the yoga practice that I did not and could not do on my own it just you can't you have to have people to have a community so I'm really really excited about that part um, and deepening that piece of my practice and just getting better at connecting with other people and listening <laughs> and also sharing um, it'll be really really fun to do that and so yeah that's the big news I get to do a teacher training and my sister-in-law Kristen shout out Kristen how you is girl she um, she's maybe one of my biggest fans <laughs> next to my mom <laughs> she she was the first person to like full-on encourage me to keep podcasting to to donate to the podcast she's like constantly like yeah podcast podcast and I am so grateful for her for continuing to push me into doing it because there are times where I'm like is this is this really worth it like am I I feel kind of pointless just talking to myself in the car like should I keep doing it I don't know is anyone actually listening I don't know but I don't really care I don't really care if I'm if the only person that listens is Kristen hell to the yes I don't that's great that is great and so she encouraged me to podcast throughout the teacher training about the teacher training and how it's going and the things I'm learning and all that stuff. So I will be keeping you all posted on how things go and the things I learn and all that stuff. And it should be really fun. Um, and maybe, you know, if you can't afford a teacher training, it's a kind of a window into what is talked about for you to start learning some yoga without having to make the financial investment just yet. So, um, that would be my goal is to make yoga accessible to everyone 
no matter their financial background, no matter their life circumstance, um, man, everybody needs yoga for real. And so that's the big news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's three months long. It's basically every weekend and Wednesday evenings. So I will have no time. If you are listening to this podcast and you know me in real life and we are friends and you are out there like, hey girl, you want to come out to fucking drinks and dinner on Saturday? Nope, I sure don't because I'm going to be teaching yoga. I'm going to be doing this training and I'm going to be my, my time is like thin is all I'm saying. So it's not you, it's me. Um, but when I'm all done with the training, I cannot wait to start offering some classes outside, maybe, um, a program at my jujitsu gym, which would be freaking dope. So there's a lot unfolding and it's really exciting to have it be unfolding. Some other things that are going on. So it's funny because this is like Getting a yoga teacher training, even though I dogged it for like a couple of years and was like, fuck that, I don't need that freaking certification, stupid people trying to tell me what I did or didn't do, and I know what I did, and I could tell, show you. Anyway, um, this is like a big deal <laughs> for me to get a teacher training certification because of all the work I've already put in. And it's funny because as soon as something starts to unfold that is like progressing me in my success and what I feel is success for me for whatever reason whether it's the way I was raised what I what I viewed growing up fucking conditioning cultural conditioning I don't know where it comes from I I don't know but for whatever reason as soon as I'm starting to smell a little bit of scent of success a little bit of progress a little bit of you know moving up in the world and in whatever that means for me that means different things for different people I have a compulsive need to shit on it. I don't know why. I really don't know why. It is the most annoying thing ever. And I will shit on it until I realize, oh, why am I shitting on this? Oh, wait. It's that same repetitive compulsive need to self-sabotage. As soon as something's going right, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. It's going right. Let's fuck it up somehow. It's the dumbest thing ever. And like the last couple of weeks, I've, well, I guess I should say the last week, um, knowing that this training is coming up, I've had so much fear come up. Fear that I didn't even realize was there. Like, just feeling overwhelmed for no reason. Fear of not having enough time to do everything because this is a big time commitment, signing up for this yoga teacher training. Um, Fear that I won't, I'll fall behind. Fear that I won't have time to read all the books we have to read. Fear of, you know, not being accepted by the community, fear, all, all kinds of weird, stupid fears that don't make any sense. And the way that I, I, so I say like I shit on the situation, self-sabotage. So what happens where the self-sabotage comes in, it's cool to have those fears. In fact, the, the mere idea and, and reality that those fears came up so, so largely and so unassumingly is more validation that I'm moving in the right direction for myself. Because I wouldn't be afraid if it didn't matter to me. And it matters. And that's great. It's great to be like, okay, I'm, it matters so much that I'm fucking scared now. Awesome. That means you're moving in the right direction. And so I've, it took me about a week or so to like figure out where this fog in my head was coming from and where all this fear was coming from and why I decided to just like eat like shit and try to fill the scary deep hole in my chest with fucking donuts 
And every time I do that, I realize this is not helping. Like each, I'm picking it up, putting it in my mouth. I'm like, this is not helping. I'm feeling more empty and more empty with each bite. And I think that this is helping the fear. And it is for now while I'm chewing on this donut. But as soon as the donut's gone, I'm going to be afraid and sad and overwhelmed again. It's the stupidest thing. It is the stupidest thing. But it keeps happening. Luckily, the stent is is less, is shorter. So... I would have, you know, had a big bubble and swell of fear and then gone into, you know, some weird internal depression, insecurity, like, phase for, like, a month and then eaten like shit for a month and then gained a bunch of weight and then had to lose it again. And that has been the cycle. But this time it was only a week instead of a month. So it's getting better, but I just find it interesting. Like, how strange. Everything is going perfectly for me. Perfectly. I have an amazing gym I train at. I'm getting better at jujitsu. I think. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I'm not getting worse, I hope, but who knows? (laughs) Talk to my coach about that later. But it feels like I'm getting better at jujitsu. My husband is like got he got promoted and just won a tournament. Like things are going great. We I'm getting a new job that will, you know, get me more visits and more money and more just more and like it's great. I'm having a great time. I'm living in Colorado. One of my dreams was to live in Colorado. I never thought ever if I would have gone back to like, you know, the days as as soon as I graduated OT school, we'll start there. Graduated OT school, went straight into a nursing home setting, literally wanted to die. Like I did not think I could get through nursing home life at all. I didn't think I'd get through full-time job life, like working eight hours a day, let alone in therapy in one of the hardest settings ever. And like, whew, trying to dig myself out of student loan debt. If you would have told me then like, hey, just keep going, keep going. It's going to be okay. Don't freak out. Keep on your breath. Show up to work. Do what you can. Do your best. And just keep on going because one day you're going to be living in the mountains of Colorado living your best life, getting a teacher certification, working a job that is like relatively easy to compare to what you're doing now and better pay. So it's going to be okay. Just stay calm. If you would have told me that, I would have slapped you in the face. I'm like, bitch, don't lie to me. (laughs) Do not lie to me. And somehow it's all unfolding. And as it's unfolding in, in a way that I couldn't even imagine, have imagined for myself, I have to shit on it. I don't know why. I just, in some way, and I think sometimes, even though things are rolling in a positive direction, I think, you know, part of it, part of life and the way it unfolds will always be out of our control to some extent. Like, we can't control what Billy Joe does on the road when he fucking cuts you off in traffic. We can't control what Denise says to you on the phone about your fucking outfit or something. I don't know. I'm making this stuff up, but there's a lot of stuff we can't control is all I'm saying. And I think sometimes even when that stuff is good stuff, like, you know, moving, getting a certification, moving up in my career, like all that stuff, even when those are good, it's still partially out of my control. And I think sometimes as humans to, to have a little bit of control, we go back to something old, something familiar, something we recognize, even if it's shitty even if it hurts us, even if it ultimately actually sets us back from where we're moving forward naturally. It is weird. It is a weird thing that humans do. I I swear, I hope to God that I'm not the only one who does it. Like, if that's true, then hot damn. I don't know what to do. But 
I, I think that a lot of people deal with self-sabotage and, you know, shitting on their own parades as the parade is unfolding naturally for them. And I think it's a mechanism of trying to control the situation, even if it's moving you in the opposite direction of where you want to go. It's still something you have control over. So with all that said, it took me about a week to get all that out of my head and sort it into words. And now for your lovely pleasure of listening. Um, I think I moved past it and I'm ready to fucking rock this teacher training and I'm really excited. And yeah, so far I'll update you. We've done a book report. So the book report was due before the teacher training starts and I did my book report on the Bhagavad Gita. I had read the Bhagavad Gita, um, like in the first couple of years that I started getting interested in yoga because I knew it was foundational to the philosophy and the practice and I honestly had looked up a bunch of teacher trainings that I was interested in and thought, you know what? I may not be able to pay for them, but you know what I can do? I can fucking read. I can read a book. I can find thrifty, cheap books and figure it out by reading. And so I would go on those teacher training programs and look at the textbooks that they required. And then I would find them, you know, on the cheap, cheap on Amazon or used book places and stuff like that um, to just learn on my own. And the Bhagavad Gita was one of those. But I'd read a different translation at the time. I read, I don't know who did the translation for this one, but it's a, it's like a thick embossed kind of looking book and it's orange, like bright orange. That's the one I read. But the one I read for the program, like a couple weeks ago, I just like plowed through it because I'd already read it before, was way different than what I had read. I actually gained an entire new perspective on the Bhagavad Gita that I'd never had. Before, I thought the Bhagavad Gita was like, you know, similar to a Bible from a different country, full of wisdom, full of old shit too, that doesn't really apply today, um, apply to today. But, and that some of that was true at the time, and I just thought, yeah, it's got little gems of wisdom, cool, like, cool quotes that resonate well with me, and all of that. But this time I read it, and I was like, whoa, I've never thought of it that way. And what a cool, compassionate way to look at this text. And so the guy who did this translation, his name starts with an E. I really don't remember, but I'll try to put it in the show notes if I can find the name. Um, But he had a very interesting way of looking at the Bhagavad Gita and suggested, so if you don't know the story, real quick, the story goes, Krishna, which is basically like Christ in Hindu philosophy, And Christ, I should preface, when I say Christ, people are like, Jesus, you shouldn't bring Jesus into this Hindu shit. Jesus is Christian and American, damn it. I get it, okay? But if you listen to anything as far as philosophy, religion, all that stuff goes, the smartest people and the most well-read people in the world religions will say that Christ is a title. It It is a way of being and not a person. And Jesus Christ was an embodiment of that being, of how to be Christ-like. Krishna also comes from a similar word as Christ, Krish, Christ, Krish, similar, okay? So Krishna is like the Hindu version of the embodiment of Christ, of being, a way of being. And so Krishna in this uh, story is the teacher of this warrior named Arjuna. And Arjuna comes from this like wealthy family and part of his family betrays him. He's the rightful son to this throne of this like ancient town or whatever. And a part, a big chunk of his family is going against him and saying that he's not the heir, that this other person is the heir. And so they go to war on, on this subject. And Arjuna is faced with having to 
So he's on the battlefield during the story. And Krishna is his chariot man because Krishna is Christ-like and embodies the being that is Christ. Or, you know, it's also been known as the Buddha. Like, Buddha is like a nature, a way of being. So is Christ. And so that's Krishna in this story. And he can't participate in the war because it goes against his Krishna, his Christ being, his Buddha being. And... So he's a chariot man instead because then he doesn't have to participate. He's just rolling some horses. He doesn't have to kill anybody. It works out. But Arjuna, the warrior, is freaking the fuck out in the middle of the battlefield. Like, I can't do this. I would rather die. I don't want to have to kill my own family, the people I grew up with, the people I looked in the eyes and shared meals with. These people are close to me. and I, You're asking me to kill them. I don't understand. Please explain. Why is God asking me to kill my own family? And basically the whole book is the conversation between him and his chariot man, Krishna. And Krishna, so the cool thing about this translation, I always looked at Krishna as like another, like another Jesus, like a different Jesus, but made by another culture and recorded down by another culture in another language and another light and perspective. And maybe that's partly true. Not sure. But this guy tells people to look at Krishna as your own inner God, your own intuition speaking to you, your own soul. And Arjuna is just the humanness of us all. And it's really cool because throughout the story, you know, he's like, I can't, I can't kill my own kinsmen. I'd rather just die. I can't do this. And then Krishna goes into talking about reincarnation and how, you know, we all go back to the same soul anyway, and it's really okay. And, um... There's a quote in there that I thought was interesting and kind of conflicting because if you know anything about yoga, there's a big push for people to be vegetarian or vegan. But, you know, it's for the purpose, like Gandhi was one of those people. It's for the purpose of um, being respectful of life. And if you see yourself as one within all, then it'd be hard to kill yourself, you know. Um, and you wouldn't want to do harm to anything that is you. So why harm animals and all that? And that, that's kind of the psychology behind that. But there is a quote in the Bhagavad Gita that says, um, it's like something like the man who grieves, any man who grieves the dying is, uh, is living in ignorance because like energy cannot be created or destroyed basically is what he's saying. And we are energy inside meat packages just animating these meat packages all day long, getting through our lives. And so I really like that quote because I was like, huh, it's funny because it's like, he's like, don't worry about things dying because it all comes back and recycles and it's all good. And also kill your kinsmen. But then somehow people got out of this information, be a vegetarian. It's like, okay, I don't understand. But um, the it's just a really cool way to look at things. And he's basically reassuring Arjuna, like, look, it's better for you to be who you are, this warrior, to fight for yourself, to... And in a lot of ways, when I thought about Krishna, or Arjuna having to kill off his kinsmen, these kinsmen are... These kids... These kinsmen, this family that has betrayed him, that are going against him, aren't looking out for his best interest, even though he cares about them. He's like, I don't want to kill them. I'd rather just die here instead of go to war with my family. And I saw that as a as the inner the inner god krishna telling arjuna the human of us that parts of us have to die they have to parts of us have to die if we're going to succeed if we're going to move forward if we're going to follow our true path we can't hold on to everything especially the comfortable things that are ultimately fucking everything up for us you know that 
that Ben and Jerry's ice cream you have to have every night, that addiction to coffee or cigarettes or whatever. Like parts of us that aren't helping have to be killed off for us to progress spiritually and therefore throughout life. And so I saw that as like, huh, I never, I never looked at it like that. And that was something that I really, I really like felt on a deep level, like, okay, I guess pieces of me have to die. Like, and I knew that, but it was cool to, to kind of have a character in this book from a long time ago, lamenting and understanding how hard that is. He said he'd rather die than kill off his own family. Like he just wanted to give up. And some of us are like that. We want, we just want to give up. We don't want to deal with the parts of us that aren't in the most highest service to our life path. We don't want to deal with the parts of us that are ugly and that are mean and that are judgmental and rude and nasty. We don't want to look at that. We'd rather just die literally or keep smoking ourselves to death or keep drinking ourselves to death slowly. And I just really thought that this, this particular guy's translation of the Bhagavad Gita was pretty cool and brought it to a place where it's relatable to literally any human being if you look at it in that light. And it's a really cool story and you should read it. So that's all the news I have for today. That's all I have to say. I think just really excited about yoga. Um, yoga's weird. I'm going to say that too. I know I, I had a few Christian friends growing up and, and now today, um, that would tell me that they went to a yoga class and like some teacher said something weird or said a Sanskrit word and they were like, Oh no, I'm crossing my God. I'm, you know, stepping on my own religion and I'm bla- like performing blasphemy by doing this yoga. I don't know if that's all the way true. Um, yoga is pretty, I mean, any, any philosophy book on yoga, you're going to see that they're, they're very, very specific and clear on saying that it is not a religion. It is not a dogma. Um, and that you can practice it no matter what your religion and it can benefit you and make your connection to whatever God you believe in even stronger, even more prevalent in your life. Um, I just think people get tripped up by some of the Sanskrit words and just honestly, like the lack of familiarity, people are like, oh my gosh, I must be sinning if it's not in the Bible. It's like, well, uh, mm. It's a gray area usually. Usually most of life is pretty gray. It's not so black and white if you ask me in my whole whopping 26 years of life experience. But um, it's been thick. It's been a thick experience thus far. So I'm, I'm pretty grateful. Anywho, if you've listened this long to me ranting about yoga and freaking Bhagavad Gita and Arjuna and all that stuff, kudos to you. Look forward to more podcasts on yoga and incorporating yoga into life and learning from life and learning from yoga and all this all this fun stuff that's happening over here until the next podcast please take very good care of yourself and like i said look forward to more podcasts regarding this yoga teacher training and different things i learned in the yoga teacher training and um yeah all the fun stuff it's gonna be all all kinds of crazy i gotta tell you guys the month of june is gonna be fucking nuts just nuts i'm doing this teacher training which is three months long and then I got like a jujitsu camp that I'm going to, all women's jujitsu camp retreat, retreat, retreat um, in Breckenridge, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to learn from Claudia Doval. If you have any understanding or background in jujitsu, she has been like ranked number one black belt adult for a little while. <laughs> She's been traveling the world and doing seminars and 
She's an omoplata queen, and I just cannot wait to learn from her. And then um, the other host is Leanna Dittrich, who has trained pretty closely with my coach, my current coach, but I haven't gotten to meet her or train with her, and she has been a Masters World Champion at Black Belt for, uh, I don't know, five or six, four, four or six times. I don't remember. Um, basically, two badass chicks that can fuck up my life pretty quickly, and they're going to teach me how to fuck up other people's lives better. Not their lives, but, you know, in jiu-jitsu, that's the goal is to choke and choke each other and try to break each other's limbs with respect we don't actually break each other's limbs um if we can avoid it tap early tap often but anyway it's gonna be a good time it's gonna be awesome we're gonna be i'm gonna be surrounded by women that are strong and know how to fight know how to hold their own and oh man it's gonna be transformational um but it's gonna be a busy ass month so and the next three months are going to be pretty busy considering I have no more weekends, which is fine. I'm just saying. Anywho, until the next podcast, please take very good care of yourself. It's time for me to go and do my yogas. Um, and for now, I'll say good day. <laughs>